0: Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control, with the new Scorpion all season plus three. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver.
1: Men do have a cycle, it just happens to be 24 hours, they do go through similar phases during the day, uh, they go to bed during their menstrual phase, they wake up in their luteal phase, it's kind of a backward situation. And then they are kind of in the afternoon, they're in an ovulatory social verbal phase, morning testosterone cortisol surge for them is where they're doing their deep focused high concentration work. Then in the afternoon, they have their testosterone cortisol drop mm. and stamina. So this is something they have to compensate for they do it with caffeine, they do it with other nootropics and but it's also why corporate culture has happy hour around this time because this is when men have Mm. a little bit more access to their estrogen which makes them more verbal and social but then after dinner they're now in their lowest phase of hormones which is exactly what menstruation phase is the bleeding phase Mm. right the lowest levels of all your hormones they need to go into the whatever their version of a man cave is and go to sleep in order for them to make testosterone
0: for the next day. This podcast exists because I love talking to people and I love going deep. The purpose is to plant seeds of inspiration. We enter a space of vulnerability and relatability. And what you realize is that we are so much more alike than we are different. To quote Ramdas, we're all just walking each other home and the show is just one step. I'm Danica Patrick and I'm Pretty Intense. Thank you for joining us. We have Elisa Vitti on the show today. She is an integrative nutritionalist, hormone expert, Best-selling author of Woman Code. She also wrote In the Flow, which is a book that I read, and the creator of The Cycle Sinking Method. She is on the leading edge as a pioneer, which we talked about at the very beginning of the conversation, uh, in this field of women and our cycle and hormones and how we can better live to address our natural well-being uh, by following this cycle syncing method by following for women these four cycles that happen throughout the month. And what's before anyone any guys depart after hearing what I've, what I've just said so far, she talks a lot also about a guy's cycle and how the twenty four hour cycle that a man has. So did you know as women that, And men also, because let's face it, some of you are going to end up with a woman, you might carry, you have a mom, you have a sister, whatever birth control is a synthetic, it does not allow you to have an actual cycle, like stuff like that, that, you know, you just think we would know. And I didn't know until I read the book, Uh, it's really a a drastic education on how we need to look at operating in our daily life to maximize, and not even just like maximize for what we know, but maximize beyond what we've even achieved so far to create a A really holistically balanced and elevated life from top to bottom in every aspect.
1: Well, it's an honor to meet you. I like any um, woman who's doing the like trailblazing stuff. So it's just great. Yes. (laughs)
0: Thanks. You're trailblazing too. Yes. You know,
1: I, so I think, you know, we're in good company, right? That's sort of my favorite. I, I, I enjoy other women who do things that are first of their kind. And I, I um, aspire to, to do my part in whatever way I can as well.
0: Do you feel like the trailblazing that you're doing is something that you like felt like you like a, a responsibility to do? Um, and like a vulnerability, but you kind of felt like you had to do it? Or was this just like your path?
1: I think it's a combination of...
0: When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra. One of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul, to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12-ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at Danica.com.
1: An organic evolution of sort of the things that have unfolded, but also uh, key, pivotal, eye opening moments that sort of made me realize that I wanted to be an advocate for women. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had both a healthcare kind of awakening for my own self, but I also had like a feminist awakening at a certain point as well. And, and then I, I think they sort of merged in a way and I somehow am able to offer that up through my entrepreneurship.
0: I read your book and I, and in the flow and I, I could feel that sort of, um, like it always takes when you're shifting, uh, shifting things, sometimes it takes a little bit of like a yo-yo going far enough one direction to kind of pull it back. But there was like a, a feeling of one of, of wanting to reclaim and like foot down, like, look at me, look at us. Like we are, why do you, why are you putting this misinformation out or lack of information out and acting like it's for the masses. And it was almost like, a, it was kind of like waving your hands in the air kind of feel uh, to, especially obviously based on what you're, what you go, what you do, the medical side of females and how everything manifests for females and how women in their cycle cycle period of their life, which is what six, five, 14 to 50, uh, something like that. A good like solid
1: an, four decades, yeah.
0: Yeah, and how I, I, I can feel that. And was there something that happened that made you realize just how unrepresented um, women in their, in their uh, fertile phase of their life were or just women in general? Because it's really not just, it kind of had like a whole woman feel. Is there a story? Is there a moment you can only do so much when you're constantly hit with data points, right?
1: Where you just, you know, I don't know, just the way I'm wired, like you have to take action when you're seeing statistic after statistic, after, you know, trend, after institutionalized gender bias, like you just, it just paints a story or t- tells a story and paints a picture that um, we're being left out of research were being unseen underserved in the conventional and frankly any healthcare model um and that the statistics of the women who are suffering for these hormonal issues throughout these four decades which includes not just menstruation but fertility and perimenopause that's just a statistic that keeps growing and i Feel compelled <laughs> to do something about it, and it's not just that I feel compelled. It's that also there's that sort of side of me that's sort of absorbing all the statistics and the data. But then there's the side of me as the academic and the researcher who's looking and saying, "There's a way out." So let's acknowledge that there's a, fa- a flaw mm-hmm. in the model that we are operating in around our hormonal healthcare. Let's just acknowledge that, which you know sort of do in the first couple of chapters of the book but then let's just move forward and here's the correct information and here's how to do it. And let's expect better for our health and our healthcare as women. And the, I, I fundamentally know that the sort of uh, ripple effect of that for women goes well beyond uh, just what, how it impacts their health, you know, short-term and long-term. It's really a whole life shift. Mm-hmm. You know, just the other day I was doing a, webinar for moms with teenage daughters and you know how do you deal with your daughter's PMS right and I said well the the most important thing that you have to do as a mom if you have a young daughter start to have a conversation with her at nine Mm -hmm. you know I have a my daughter will be seven in the fall and you know she already understands some of these basic things right I've been educating her in my own way. can only imagine what having me as a mom would be like <laughs> you're a girl. <laughs> so I, you know, at nine though, you know, we're going to have a whole conversation about, you know, different biological rhythms and that in, for her, you know, at, at a certain age, you know, 12 ish, what I want the focus to shift from is not talking about, Oh, you're going to have this thing happen around bleeding. Mm-hmm. really it isn't serving any purpose it puts the focus Mm -hmm. on the wrong thing Mm -hmm. that's a part of the story Mm
0: -hmm. but unfortunately that
1: part of the story has been so co-opted by the negative millennia old curse conversation that i think we could do better to serve our young you know women by telling them instead okay actually around 12 this whole new biological clock is going to get activated in your brain and affect every system of your body. And it's going to give you huge advantages in creativity and energy and immunological response and everything else. Um, But you have to make one key switch when this happens. Oh, really? What's the switch that I have to make? Like, I'm just imagining this dialogue between a mom and a daughter. Okay, well, the switch is you go from taking care of yourself the same way every day to changing your self-care routine four times a month.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'll
1: show you how to do that when the time comes. But I just want you to be prepared that Mm -hmm. this super amazing brain body thing is going to happen to you. And it only happens to girls. And Mm -hmm. how cool is that? Mm -hmm. If we had that conversation at nine, and then, you know, actually giving the practical how to of the cycle syncing method at 12, making that's the focus of menstruation. Like now here's menstruation. Now you have your clock. You can set your timer for self-care to those four phases. Start doing it. Start tracking your cycles or doing. It. So you get a 12 year old girl biohacking, essentially building a positive relationship with her body. Yeah. Then we just kind of bypass all the patriarchal wounding and kind of just quickly get out of what typically happens at that age, which is some form of trauma, right? Because if you haven't been prepared for what is going to shift in your body, you can register that in many different negative ways that affects your health, your Mm. psychology, and frankly, the trajectory of your life. So Mm. it's exciting to think about um, what could change for women uh, at any age when they figure this out, but especially Mm. what could happen when we sort of really model this for the young women in our lives. Yeah, um, and give them a different platform because it's it's the cor- it's correct to do that, and it's what young men get to have access to, and we know how what how advantageous that is for them. Well, so
0: they, they, there's this pretty simple, right? I mean, I think this is what was fascinating is fine learning how, and I don't think I mean like micro macro whatever call it an similarity like women are complicated and no I reject simple. that I'm sorry
1: I reject that. You reject that. <laughs> I reject that phrasing because it's not true. It's not true. That is a great example of cultural conditioning and accent in action, right? You live in your own body, right? The only reason that you would call it complicated is because you haven't been given a proper tour, right? Like if you were to say to me, Alisa, please come to my house and go get me the um, sweater that I want. I'd be like, oh no, that's complicated. Which room in the house is it? Which drawer is it? Is it in a closet? I don't know where to go and what to do to, to do this. That feels mm-hmm. complicated and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same thing. If you haven't been given the blueprint of how your body works, you are making an inaccurate assumption that you are complicated, which you are not. You are extremely logical and easy to understand, but who's, t- who's telling you what, how it works? No one. -hmm. Men are equally complex as women's biology is, right? In a different way. They're just, it's just two different patterns. Mm -hmm. Why would we judge one pattern as easier or more efficient and one as more complex or complicated or problematic or mysterious if? It only, it, the only reason we would do that is a cultural conditioning. What the narrative has been your whole life running in the background of your life mm-hmm. about the differences between men and women. So I reject that. And I challenge any woman to really start to look at what is that inner dialogue and that script that you're running inside of yourself mm-hmm. that has you talking about what you are, right? Mm-hmm. If you're saying you're complicated and problematic and hormones are a burden that's not true. <laughs> so it's an opinion, of who gave you that opinion? Mm. I never had that. Opinion. See,
0: I, I think there are <laughs> t- definitely, definitely right. scripts and um, patterns and, um, you know, absolute ways of thinking that are just patterns in society. I, I kind of err on the side of sort of balance, and so, like everything has its natural balance point. And so, meaning, I do think that women have more to deal. With. Like guys don't have to deal with the four phases through the month. They don't have to. They don't deal. And now, keep him. Hang on. Let me. Let me. Let me get to the good part at the end. They don't deal with that. They don't deal with the you know having a cycle. They don't deal with bearing a child. Um, so on this side, you have more, right? but you get more too. Like it's, these are things that you have to deal with. But on the other side, you have creativity as a potential, like deep creativity, deep connection, um, uh, understanding recovery and solitude, understanding, you know, all those different things and the heightened potential that is obtained from maximizing these phases and then magical things like childbirth. And so I kind of fall on the side that I think that, There's more to deal with that you get, but you get more. And so I would break it down even then too, like just to like the beautiful aspect that, you know, women are amazing beings like we literally are creation like we are created literally nothing exists without creation. And that's what we are.
1: Well, you're not going to have me argue that point. But what I will say is I would just, as I, as I share in the book, and as I share all the time when I speak, is that men do have a cycle. It just happens to be 24 hours. They do go through similar phases during the day. Mm. I would say it's more challenging for men because it's happening in a very compressed fashion, right? So they wake up with their testosterone. They kind of wake up in their luteal phase, if I had to pick a phase that they'd wake up in, right? Uh, they go to bed during their menstrual phase, they wake up in their luteal phase, it's kind of a backward situation. Then, then there, there's not so much follicular phase things happening. And then they're kind of in the afternoon, they're in an ovulatory social verbal phase, right? So they have these kinds of phases throughout the day, the morning testosterone cortisol surge for them is Um, where they're doing their deep focused, high concentration work, um, where they can build lots of lean muscle with strength training, very similar to the luteal phase, um, Mm. where they have to feed their body with more calories, and all of that. Um, Then in the afternoon, they have their testosterone cortisol drop which is why nootropics are really popular among male biohackers because they mm. have to compensate for their loss in like ability to focus mentally mm. and stamina. So this is something they have to compensate for. They do it with caffeine, they do it with other nootropics. And, but it's also why corporate culture has happy hour around this time because this is when men have mm. a little bit more access to their estrogen, which makes them more verbal and social. But then no. after dinner, they're now in their lowest phase of hormones, which is exactly what menstruation phase is the bleeding phase, right, the lowest levels of all your hormones, they need to go into the whatever their version of a man cave is and go to sleep in order for them to make testosterone for the next day. So they have a similar cyclical need. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that when you look at that, and you look at what all the diet and fitness and biohacking and success hacking and life coaching suggestions and trends and things that we just accept as universally true. They're really actually all designed to optimize for that male hormonal cycle that happens in a 24 hour period. And it's a great technique and it's one that women should be doing too, except we shouldn't be applying it in a 24 hour clock because Mm. we don't, operate that way in our reproductive years. We have, yes, we always have a circadian clock like men do throughout our whole lives and children and old people, everybody has a circadian clock. But during puberty, we have sort of this introduction of an infradian and even a circatradian clock where we have this other cyclical thing happening in our body that's affecting our brain, our metabolism, our immune system, our stress response system. So It is flawed and illogical to apply the same self-care routine to an ecosystem that's not the same every 24 hours. Mm. If you're in a female ecosystem, if you're in a male ecosystem, that is absolutely correct and optimal. And it's why you would want to, you know, stack your calories early in the day and stack your workouts early in the day if you're a guy. But if you're a girl... It depends on which phase of the cycle you're in. It's going to dictate how many calories you have to eat or which workouts you're going to do or anything else for that matter. So yeah. when people ask me, oh, Lisa, what's your favorite morning routine? i said, say, well, it just depends on which, which phase of the cycle we're talking about, right? <laughs> because even just that, even some of these assumptions that we make that the ideal wake up time is 5 a.m., that's actually to optimize... Uh, for what happens when testosterone is released into the bloodstream after men produce that during sleep, right? So Mm -hmm. if if, if they wake up at five, Mm -hmm. they're gonna have access to all of this that's just been released into their bloodstream along with cortisol, they should get up and take advantage of that. That is not necessarily the case for you depending on your cycle phase. So it's important for women to navigate this because if you do think that that's the ideal, right? And you're Mm -hmm. following those trends, Then you start to disrupt these other rhythms, the infradian, the circuitradian rhythms. And then you start to have symptoms across the board with your brain performance, with your metabolism, with your immune system, with your stress and anxiety, with your reproductive system, right? Mm. And it isn't that you need a different solution for all these problems. It's that you are disrupting your key biological rhythm.
0: Mm by
1: applying a methodology that's optimizing a whole different gender to them.
0: Well, okay. That was great. Thank you. And (laughs) I I didn't really look at it like, uh, the, the sort of timeline being like month to day kind of difference. I kind of just thought guys just have like this easy little arc of the day. They start off with energy. They fade by the end of the day. They start off with energy. They fade by the end of the day. But that, that may, that, that thank you for, um, explaining that. So then, Yeah, it feels like obviously culture has just adopted this cycle, which is not a one size fits all. And so also having, let's say culture went in the direction of four phases during the month, and that was how things were oriented in the world that also wouldn't necessarily work. Right. Everyone's cycle's different. So what it is leading to, which is I think really cool, because I'm very much into spirituality as well. I don't know if that's some an area that you love too, but it feels like a journey to autonomy because you can't It's not a literally life, like the rhythms of life are not a one size fit all. They can't be. So it's really asking you to go within and have a sense of where you're at and how you feel and listening to that and becoming really sovereign in your energy Mm -hmm. and autonomous in the world.
1: Well, the word sovereign is an important word, I think, Mm -hmm. especially for women, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because so much when you aren't properly educated about how your body works, you become just by default, very in a passive position, and you have a sense of not having agency over your own life and your own health. Mm -hmm. So certainly the, you know, there's an immediacy around having a reclamation of sovereignty about just being able to take action and knowing what to do when things are going off, you know, keeping in mind that, 80% of women at some point in their lifetime will have a hormonal problem, you know, which is a staggering statistic and one in which the male, you know, subset is not there's they're not even on the same galaxy as far as a percentage. Right. And of course not. Right. Because they're not setting up their lives to disrupt their circadian rhythm. Right. So that's why they're not suffering with as many hormonal problems, but we're because we're setting up our lives only to support our circadian rhythm. We're disrupting our infradian rhythm and circuitradian rhythms. And then we, you know, end up with all these hormonal problems, right? So it's just, it's kind of crazy. But then at the same time, you're right that it would be equally lopsided to have the world shift to a, you know, female cyclical pattern only. What I'm advocating is that we have gender inclusivity, and not even just gender inclusivity, really it's biological rhythm inclusivity, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can be various genders. It just depends on what's happening with your personal preferences. But the idea is if you have a circadian rhythm only ecosystem, or you have a, a circadian and a cyclical biological rhythm ecosystem, we just need to include that in our research, our medical fitness and nutrition research, right now, the female cyclical pattern is left out of all of that, which is right. really problematic, because the, right. the trickle down effect of that is that we then assume, we're making a very unscientific assumption when we leave women out, we're just saying, oh, well, they're just probably yeah. smaller versions of men. And so therefore, whatever we find for the guys, it was news apply to, me. to
0: the girls, right? I've been a girl for 39 years, and it was all news to me. I'm like, wow, and then I do this during this time. <laughs> wow. Like, uh, yeah. so yeah, it's news to me.
1: And then, you know, I think, you know, from an autonomy point of view, yes, each of us needs to have a personal understanding. So from a societal point of view, I think we should just sort of strive towards biological rhythm awareness and inclusivity amongst, you know, your relations with people with in corporate environments. I go into corporations and talk all the time about how you actually do that in the workplace. Mm. Um, It's a different kind of gender equality. It's based on the same benefits that men get by default, you know, um, if I were to sort of define what is a patriarchy, I would look at it through the biological rhythm lens or the chronobiology lens. And I would just say, well, it's a society in which it defaults to the, that particular gender's biological right. rhythm, right? And so that's why they're thriving more, right? So it's just, you know, it's not political, it's just scientific, right? Yeah. And so I think that we, we should strive for that on a societal level. I think we should strive for inclusivity on a research level. And then on a personal level, you just need to own your operating system, right? If you've got a cyclical operating system, then you need to understand how it works and just give it what it wants and you will be happy and healthy as a result. And then understand that if you're in a heterosexual relationship, like, you you know, I understand, for example, when I'm with my husband, if I want to have a certain type of interaction with him, I know which time of the day to approach him for different things based on his hormonal pattern. <laughs> and I encourage him and actually educated him and empowered him. I always joke, he could probably teach these classes too, that you know he has to be that equally aware of my biological rhythmic reality and know where I am in my cycle. So if he's going to suggest a night out with friends, He doesn't come to me with that during my luteal phase or my menstrual phase because i would look at him like why are you doing this to me why are you know like it would be like a burden for him to make that ask at the wrong time in the cycle and he knows that so he wouldn't right that's what gender that's what biological rhythm inclusivity looks like let's say in a heterosexual relationship setting Mm -hmm. where we just factor in each other's needs i would know his testosterone is super low at 11 o'clock at night Maybe I want to approach him for some fun playtime in the bedroom, but I would also then have a certain set of expectations about how much energy would have to give to me in that environment. And if I wanted a different kind of output from him, I would approach him at a different time of the day because it's just logical.
0: It Maybe isn't- that's why Viagra and all kinds of stimulants for that are so popular. Do you think? Well, so that's yes, and they're also popular because men
1: are not honoring when they don't honor that that sleep pattern, and they make to, and then they then they don't make the testosterone that they are supposed to make, and that starts to decrease as they start andropause at twenty five. Um, men yeah. andropause it's the male version of perimenopause, right? Where they and start. Twenty five. Yes, and women start at thirty five. So men make less and less testosterone after twenty five. And so it's a losing battle with muscle gain and erection, you know. Yeah. direction, direction. (laughs) And so the higher, the better (laughs) The muscles are struggling. (laughs) And so the idea is um, that if you really protect your circadian, and this is why the circadian rhythm is such a focus among male biohackers, they wear their blue light blocking glasses, they're doing certain things to stimulate themselves throughout the day, they're timing their workouts, they're wearing glucose monitors, they're doing all that they can, because the payoff is that they then get to extend and the time they're making testosterone and increase the production of that, which keeps them younger, longer, right? So yes, Viagra, I think is becoming popular among a younger set, even though that's not what it was originally created for. um, Because uh, I think a lot of men do struggle with lower testosterone than they need to be, uh, because they're not, let's say, syncing with their own cycle properly. It's good for each gender, but we have to do it in two very different ways.
0: Right. And I, I, I almost was thinking to myself, I should start by asking all the questions that it has to do that have to do with men, because if there's a man listening and they start hearing about periods and cycles and whatever, they might go, not for me. Right. (sighs) Like, but it's totally, and it's totally for them to not only understand women, because you're probably going to be with one or be with a feminine energy and you're going to, and also in, in understanding the woman, you also by nature understand the man. So you could, li- you literally are kind of could write the book for men too. And how many guys have written the book for women? None. <laughs> not well. lot. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't, I,
1: I I, can't, I, I strike that from record. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> what I will say is that I do think for far too long, we, you know, as a, as a cohort, uh, women, we've been. Looking for help. You know, we've been looking yeah. for help because we don't feel good. Our weight's not what we want it to right. be. Our moods, our hormones. And so you can tr- kind of look back at the whole diet and fitness industry as various types of cries for help from the female community, right? You know, and and we're all looking for that like, please make, I feel like I should, my intuition is telling me that I I should feel better than I do, but I don't, and I don't know why. Maybe this workout video will be the answer. Maybe this, you know, uh, no fat diet craze will be the answer. Maybe this now intermittent fasting thing will be the magic bullet that, or the magic carpet ride I can take to the land where I feel finally what I think I should feel like, which is my best, right? Mm -hmm. But yet none of us have reached that promised land Mm -hmm. because everything that we've been talked to about, has been researched on men, has excluded our biological rhythm and doesn't help us get across the finish line with our health goals. Mm. So I really do feel, you know, for women that we've been looking for help, but unfortunately that help just hasn't been there because no one has been including our biological reality. Yeah. And I don't think that that's necessarily been on purpose, but it is just what it is. And so you have to, as a consumer, as a female consumer, really look at when you're reading an article and it says, oh, this new study just came in about whatever, hit workouts are the most magical thing you could do every single day for your life. You need to go and find the source research mm-hmm. article and you need to read what the, the study cohort was. Was it male? Was it postmenopausal women? Did it include women in their reproductive years? If not, Just don't follow the suggestions because if it didn't include your biological reality, then it's likely not going to give you the same result. And in fact, now that we have research rolling in, let's say on intermittent fasting and on HIIT workouts and other things and other diet types, Mm. we know that for women in their reproductive years, this is actually giving the opposite result of what the studies found That were so beneficial for men and postmenopausal women. And why do I keep pulling out postmenopausal women? Because once you're postmenopausal, the infradian circuitradian rhythms deactivate essentially, and you go back to a circadian only rhythm like you were with as a child before pubescence. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to cyclically, you know, shift your self-care. Yeah. Uh, But while you have an active cycle, you bet your bottom dollar you do. And the more you do it, the healthier you will be. The less you do it, the more symptomatic you will be, period. Mm. All the puns intended.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I feel like, um, yeah, women, I mean, it's like there's this impossible standard, which I kind of want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, But first I want to talk about like, there's this impossible standard. Yes. uh, But then there's all these efforts made to try and figure it out. And, you know, you do base it on like, this is the newest, latest, greatest thing. I mean, even down to like the things that I've seen with, you know, people, like I very, I very much have had like a, a CrossFit training workout schedule for, I mean, eight, seven years. And I, and, and various different aspects. But then, you know, I've seen some people that are like, I trained like this and they're like far too inflamed. And once they got back to different kinds of practices and they like things just shifted and it's like, wow, it it just makes you stop and go, we don't have enough information if something just doesn't simply work. And um, so, yeah. and, And so it's this impossible standard as women. Are we, are we trying to achieve something, that shouldn't be achievable? Meaning, should we feel good every day? Should we have high energy? Should we, we be high producing? Should we look a certain way? Should we never age? Should we have, you know, super low body fat? Should we be, you know, great lean muscle mass? Like, is there an, a a problem with the objective? Mm, What a fabulous question that is. So
1: Parts of the answer parts, I was nodding to parts of the quest, the beginning parts, like, should we feel good every day? Absolutely. Should we have high energy every day? Absolutely. Like those types of things are actually just clear and straightforward biofeedback from your body, your adrenal system, your nervous system, you know, all of these things, your immunological system. Yes, you should be operating at your optimal state of flow. Right. That is that is what nature wants for you. OK. And, na- and every system in your body is designed to make sure that it's maintaining the homeostasis that's required from a s- intracellular level to, a, you know, hormone level to you name it, blood sugar level so that you can have that optimal state of being. If we're now shifting to questions around physical appearance whether that be weight or, um, I don't know, wrinkles or whatever, right? Then it comes down to, um, you know, I'm somebody who's maintained a 60-pound weight loss for two decades, right? And I did that by not deprivation and not over-exercising, but by really putting the focus not on the weight loss but on supporting my biological rhythm, right? Mm. So I think if you are struggling with some symptoms that you're not happy with, that are biofeedback from the body that there might be inflammation or stress or disruption, right? or premature aging, which is not a good thing, right? Then again, the focus should not be, let's say, I don't know, have liposuction or some extreme thing to fix the problem. We should look and say, what could I do to more deeply support the systems that are giving me this biofeedback that are crying out for help? So it's more just a shift, what I like to call, um, you know, active listening and, you know, compassionate responding, right? So Mm -hmm. part of the issue is that, you know, Gloria Steinem said this a long time ago, I said this to open up, I think my TED talk a long time ago, which is that from a young age, little boys are taught to view their bodies as a tool to master their lives and environment. Whereas little girls are taught to view their bodies as a challenge or a problem that they always have to work on. Mm. That is a profoundly different way of orienting yourself to your life mm-hmm. with your body you know, as your partner, right? Mm. So if you were to adopt the mindset that your body is a tool with which you can master your life and you do that as a woman and then if you heard a, a a symptom coming from your body like excess weight you would not say gee let me go find a xyz fix it would be okay what how do i how do i fix this how do i take action and have leadership around this issue such that i then i can see that my body is getting the inputs that it needs You know that it's really that very simple. You change your inputs, the body changes its outputs. It's a that's what biofeedback is all about. So, if you want to have weight loss, as for example, as a goal, it isn't actually for women just about reducing, restricting calories, and working out more. That actually will get you to gain weight. Turns out. (laughs) So I read that and I was like. (laughs) What? Oh. <laughs> all these years I've been doing that and it's just getting me nowhere fast. Yes. In fact, that is exactly where it's happening. So, you know, really looking at how do I work smarter, not harder. And then sh- I like that word of like, you know, shifting the objectives. I don't think it should be on fixing the problems that you're having. It should be about, Oh, my body's having a problem, which means I'm screwing up the inputs. What do I do to fix the input so that my body stops having a problem that I'm likely creating or at least contributing in large part to, right? Mm -hmm. Then that can be said about weight, that can be said about premature aging, that can be said about, um, you know, I don't know, Any, basically most things, right? Unless you have some sort of disorder or genetic factors, you know, most of these things that are metabolic, um, it really comes down to our inputs.
0: I found it fascinating I'm I'm curious of what, what some things that we can do are. Um, but the first thing that, that to like talk about and move aside is I, I I can't believe that like with birth control, you don't have a regular cycle. And I mean, that's just crazy to me. And, um, I don't feel like I was ever told that. I know. I know. So you're right. You weren't. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. I can't, can't can't argue with that either. <laughs> yeah, and how many times that wants to be given to you to solve things. Right. Right. Oh, you have this. I'll give you that. Oh, I have this, you know, um, listen it, or whatever. It, it, and so what are the repercussions of that? I, that's really what I'm curious about. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a bummer that, that we don't know and I don't know uh, maybe they don't know. Uh, maybe. Uh, but no, I but- mean,
1: they're, they're very forthcoming now, at least to say that, you know, these taking synthetic birth control of any kind does not fix, you know, your PCOS or your fibroids. Your, it doesn't, it's not a cure. Right. Um, but it's the best tool that they currently have mm-hmm. based on the very little bit of research and funding that that research has received around women's, you know, chronic gynecological issues. I mean, I, let's not forget that the most commonly performed surgical procedure, uh, is a hysterectomy because that is seen as the penultimate solution after a lifetime of chronic gyn issues is just to remove the quote-unquote offending organ right which Mm. you know if you think just like put that into context in the male body there is no analog surgery right (laughs) so you know but some 70 year old dude walked into his gp's office 30 years ago and when the doc asked him how he was he said Oh, Hey, yeah, everything's good. I've got a new younger girlfriend. She's 50. You know, what can I do about my erection doc? And then all of a sudden in 1992, because of the flood of funding that went into the research, to try to solve this problem for this 70 year old guy. That's not having a life threatening health problem or a even all encompassing health problem. Let's say like fibroids is with pain or endometriosis is with pain, right? 1992, nitric oxide was named the molecule of the year. And then we had not one, not two, but four medications developed for erectile dysfunction back in the 90s, right? I mean, you remember Al Gore got on the news talking about his erection, right? But we can't put um, advertising about menstruation on Facebook or the subway in New York, or I mean, it's like, But, but Al Gore can talk about his ED in the nineties, right? So, Mm -hmm. so because there isn't equitable research and funding taking place, the best treatment that you will hear from a conventional practitioner is, you know, this is what we've got. This medication is the best we've got. And that's true. It's the best they've got. Doesn't mean it's the best, Mm -hmm. but it's the best they've got. And then what you should know about it is that it does not fix or solve or cure whatever is wrong with your hormones. What it does do is it shuts them off. Mm -hmm. You do not ovulate, you do not menstruate. So it does that. Any bleeding you're having is not a period, it's breakthrough bleeding and you are uh, told, your expectations are set that that might eventually go away because they don't want you to panic because you you actually do still think you're having a period when you're not, right? So you're Mm -hmm. not having a period, period goes away. First thing you should know. Second thing you should know is that that the synthetic hormones strip your body of a lot of the key micronutrients that your endocrine system needs to function optimally at its most basic level, like vitamin D3 and omega-3s and magnesium and B6. and I mean, there's a whole thing. So it's depleting you. So it's actually putting you in a deficit that you may not have had when you started taking the medication. And then third (laughs) –
0: How good could we feel if we just fixed (laughs) this?
1: And then third, um, Dr. Sarah Hill wrote a book called Your Brain on Birth Control. You're not actually the same self, it turns out. It, It creates a fundamental personality shift. You're not who you are naturally. Well, of course, because it's shutting off this whole cyclical rhythm, which affects your brain patterns. The female brain, 1996, Dr. Catherine Woolley discovered at Northwestern University that the female brain changes up to 25% over the course of the month. But then that's taken from you when you take this medication. Uh, A lot of women find that when they're on that medication, they feel confused about what they want, what they're passionate about from a career point of view. Then they go off. I cannot tell you how many times this has happened to just with people I've worked with. They go off the medication. All of a sudden they're super clear. They change careers and they become, you know, like they have their, the career of their dreams, right? Same thing can happen with relationships. We know that when you're taking synthetic birth control, you're actually attracted to someone that you wouldn't normally be attracted to. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you go off the medication, there is a risk that you literally won't be able to stand the smell of this person anymore. (laughs) Not to mention you're not an optimal immunological match from a reproductive capacity. So um, when you're not on synthetic birth control, you're attracted to someone who is genetically the most different from you and you, you this is, all happens very subconsciously through you know whether or not we believe in pheromones those haven't been actually proven in humans but you know this whole idea is that we are attracted somehow based on something in the smell of the person that we're attracted to that lets us know that they're as genetically variant from us as possible which then Increases the chance that you will have a very healthy off child, right? Oh, when nice. you're on the synthetic birth control, you are attracted to someone who has a very similar smell. You're more genetically similar, and so mm. it can have effects on your future children's health, right? Wow. Um, you know, women are definitely not aware of all of these consequences when they're taking this medication. And then, what the other really amazing thing is that it's 2021, right? We have technology now that we can use if, if the only reason why you're taking it is to prevent pregnancy, which is a wonderful reason to have access to birth control. We should have as much access as we want. If that's what you want, I have some great updates for you, okay? Which are first and foremost, you need to know that you're only fertile for 48 hours when that egg drops, right? Mm-hmm. During ovulation. That is the longest viability time for the egg. It doesn't live the whole month in your uterus, right? It's just 48 hours. Sperm, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, which many of you are not, but if you are, um, the sperm can only live in your body for five days, which gives you a maximum fertile window of seven days. So just if you think, again, I am nothing if not logical. If you just think about the math, right? Why would you throw a, you know, heavy handed approach of medicating daily for the reality of being fertile, really a maximum of seven days. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of a, it's becoming a more outdated approach, in my opinion, from a reproductive planning point of view, especially now that we have some really cool advances in the femtech community that allow you to have, again, sovereignty and agency over your fertile window, right? So you can use an app like the Daisy Tracker that's going to track with you know, wireless Bluetooth, your basal body temperature, it's going to chart it for you, you don't have to get out pencil and paper and do this anymore. Or you can use like the Mira app, which is going to check your luteinizing hormones, you urinate on a Bluetooth strip, and then it it measures that hormone. If you don't have an LH surge, you're not, you know what I mean? It's like there, there are precise ways that you can measure ovulation now to the minute. And then once you have that data, you have Agency. Now you can make some choices. You can use barrier methods. You can you could abstain if you wanted to, if you felt really concerned. <laughs> um, or there's even some new FDA-approved products on the market. Like a, there's a product called FEXI. It's a vaginal, vaginally inserted gel that changes the pH of your vagina, making it completely inhospitable to sperm. They cannot do what they do. Wow. They can't even get to the cervix. And it just comes out on its own. You don't have to do anything. You just put it in there, set it and forget it, right?
0: Is it like a lube or is it something you use every day?
1: No, it's like you use it pr- before intercourse. You know, right, you're going to have right. some a session. You just, you know, stick it in there and then, you know, have, don't think about it again, right? There's no cleanup, so to speak, right? And it's safe. It doesn't change your hormones. It doesn't cause any problems. Huh. So between the device side that can give you the precise accuracy around your fertile window, the old school barrier methods from a heterosexual point of view like condoms and cervical caps and things like that and then the new super cool tech i mean this this we have this thing this i personally feel and not that i'm affiliated with them in any way but i personally feel like this vaginal gel changing the ph it's so new tech it's so modern and really if you look at these solutions from a just planning your family planning kind of needs right so much more sophisticated than like the battering ram of, you know, a daily hormonal replacement therapy for just a 48 hour window when you're fertile. Right. So there's so much new technology to take advantage of when you want to control your reproductive capacity. But when you're trying to fix a hormonal problem, then that, that solution becomes even more obsolete because it doesn't fix your hormonal problems and it can make them worse because of all that micronutrient depletion. So women really need to know, and this is why I built Flow Living. It's the premier hormonal healthcare destination from your first period to your last. As someone who suffered with PCOS and saw the limitations of conventional um, you know, approaches to helping someone like me, I wanted to build a place where you could go when you're having these, you know, problems that can come up when you're having menstruation, when you're having fertility challenges, when you're having perimenopause, where you can come and get the exact protocols and plans that you need to just get out of hormonal chaos and get back into that state of hormonal flow that you are designed to be in.
0: Yeah are there some, um, tests I've, I've actually started to do blood work. I'm 39 years old and I have some things that are going on and I'm like, I feel like I need to get my blood checked. So I've actually, I had, I've had three blood draws now and just to kind of figure out things that are going on. And, uh, there, do you recommend that that be something that people do regularly only when they need it? And like, what kind of tests are good to know? I mean,
1: it depends. Testing is always for, an you know, desired outcome, right? So I think first and foremost, you should always have an annual hormone panel when you go to the gynecologist. Now, they may not want to cover that. That's the problem, right? So but I do think we should be annually checking how we're doing with yeah. estrogen, progesterone, thyroid, all of those things. Yeah, since we can't often get that covered by insurance, especially when there are no problems. Um, I think that that's where at home hormone testing is becoming a really great solution. Um, you know, where you can, you know, by using either dried urine analysis, saliva, or even blood spot really get some accurate information over time. And that's the thing, if you're testing your hormones for, let's just say, to see how your cycle is doing as a whole and keep in mind the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists decreed that your cycle now be considered a fifth vital sign, right? So that means you want to take it as seriously as you take an elevated temperature, right? So if that's the case, then we should be evaluating our cycle as a whole over the course of a month. So a single blood test is like a Polaroid picture It's a snapshot of what the hormone concentrations are in your blood at that particular moment of the blood draw, which is less relevant if you're trying to see, well, how is my estrogen changing throughout the month? And what are my progesterone levels during my luteal phase? It's not as helpful of a test. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So that's where some other testing that you can do at home is, is more valuable. If you're doing some baseline testing, day three testing for fertility kind of evaluation, that's a very good thing to do. Although um, we now know that AMH levels, I think women get really concerned about their AMH levels. We know for sure that that doesn't necessarily dictate how much fertile time you have left. It's about egg quality, not egg quantity, it turns out. Um, So don't be overly concerned about that number if that number is, you know, not what you think it should be, the better number to be looking at is follicular stimulating hormone, right? If your FSH numbers are too high, then that that's a better indication. If you're, let's say, looking through the lens of how are you doing from a fertility point of view, that's a much better indicator of are you prematurely hormonally aging? Hmm. Because if you're aging too quickly, that FSH number is going to go up and up and up earlier. FSH, you know, is the hormone that stimulates the ovulation process, right? If it gets too high, the body stops ovulating. This is the whole process of perimenopause. Now it begins at 35 for every woman. Okay. But there's not anything to be alarmed about. Think about, it again, puberty begins at, in the brain, it begins around 9, 10, but it doesn't complete until age 22, mm-hmm. okay? the whole journey of pubescence. Right. Same thing with perimenopause. It's a, it's a 10 to 15 year journey easily. Yeah. So it's good that it starts early and that it takes a long time. You tend to not notice any irregularities in ovulation and menstruation until your are mid to late forties. If you're taking care of your cycle, which is another reason why the cycle syncing method that I created, which supports your cyclical hormones, right? In your reproductive years is such an important thing for you to do. If you're, if you know you're going to be delaying your motherhood journey, you want to preserve and protect your um, cycle as as optimally as possible. And the cycle syncing method is really the best way for you to do that. Um, And that way, you can prolong slow down that premature aging, make sure that you're not having a quick rise in your FSH labels, that would be an indicator a much better indicator Of you know where you are with fertility than the AMH piece, although you know it's an important data point, but I would argue that FSH is more relevant.
0: What are your thoughts on um, IVF? I and what that does to the body. I did it when I was thirty three, and I don't know. I feel like in my in my intuition, I can go. "Mm, I think everything changed. I, I mean, like I just think that like it was such a roller coaster for five, four or five weeks that, mm. you know, and it also was the really, the thing that happened It's it's in the end, the name of the podcast is pretty intense because I wrote a book called pretty intense. And the reason why the book came was because I did that. And then I gained five pounds just because of hormones. And I was like, Oh my God, hormones are real. Oh my God. It's not just like eat less. It's a real thing. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you know, cause I know that this is something that you know, I mean, I used it for my own reason because I wasn't in a situation where I knew my future. So yeah, I did it proactively. Uh, but there are people doing it, um, in the moment to try and get pregnant as quickly as possible because it's, it's, um, it's something that is hard for them. So, you know, what are your, what are, what is really happening to the body? And then perhaps, you know, for those who have done it, like, what's the, what's the sort of fallout or the repercussions of the recovery, um, uh, after that much, uh, that much control from the outside instead of the inside.
1: Listen, I think it is an extraordinary thing that we have assisted reproductive technology because, unfortunately, we're in a situation where, due to um, xenoestrogenic, you know, chemical exposure, both the fertility rates of men and women are really on the decline. Mm-hmm. So this is not just a problem that's affecting women. You know, for example, the did you know the global sperm count for men is down fifty percent across the board. I mean, this
0: makes like population such a crap. Yeah. Okay. Keep going.
1: So it's an interesting thing. And so, you know, I'm, I am super happy whenever there's technology that helps people medical technology. I mean, I think it is a really good thing fundamentally. Um, So that's sort of my high level stance. Um, What I think that we could be doing a better job with is is, you know, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm repeating myself, (laughs) we should be doing a better job of educating women about how they need to be interacting with their hormonal self-care so that they don't end up needing the most extreme versions of these interventions, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like cooking, you know, I, I like to cook, I'm, you know, it's like a thing I do for relaxation. And it's kind of like, you know, you can always add more salt to the soup, Mm -hmm. but once you put it in, you really, you know, it's there. (laughs) You can't really take it out. So similarly, if you're going to think about, you know, being on an IVF journey, it's more, it's, is it not more logical to think, okay, gee, all right, maybe I've spent the past 15 years on a hormone suppressant uh, medication like birth control, right? Which shuts off your hormones. Okay. So I've done that. Hmm. So that's not optimal. I've had all 15 years of depleting key micronutrients that support my hormones and fertility. I've got to do something about that. I've also led a pretty stressful life where I've been burning the candle at both ends, drinking coffee, um, having a lot of you know alcohol to calm down. Um, yeah, I eat the same kind of restricted calorie diet every day. And I do like hit workouts every day because I'm worried about getting And you are have you
0: talking about me, <laughs> <are> you,
1: talking? <laughs> you and everybody else, sister, right? This is, this, this is what happens when we're not given the right blueprint to, or the map to follow. And then you wonder why there's so much struggle around conception, because conception takes place in the body when the ecosystem is abundant, nutrient rich. Hormonally balanced, when the nervous system is you know calm and at equilibrium, when the immune system is functioning, when there's no inflammation, this is what the body wants from a conception point of view. Because it is not just sperm meets egg, drop it into the uterus. It's there's a whole immunological response between mm-hmm. the endometrium, the egg, the female body itself. I mean, it's a really delicate process. Mm-hmm. So you have to come into it like ripe, like a peach you know what I mean, (laughs) from a from a micronutrient point of view, from a health point of view, Mm. if you roll into that process, super depleted, having two decades of not taking care of your hormones. Yeah, you might need more aggressive interventions, which is neither a good nor a bad thing. It's just more let's understand how you ended up in that place. And Mm. then you can make a decision about what is reasonable for you. If you're out of time, you know, and the only path forward are aggressive interventions, then that's a reasonable thing to do. If you have more time, and you've acknowledged that you've done everything that kind of interrupts your body's ability to be optimally fertile, then take some time to rectify that, right with the well documented, I mean, the best IVF clinics will often recommend that you get on a pretty aggressive micronutrient therapy protocol to boost your fertility factors before you go down the the hormone injectable route right in bef- to prepare for that not in a replacement of but to prepare
0: mm-hmm. so
1: you know why not take a little extra time 6 months 1 year to replenish your body to become that juicy ripe fertile peach version of yourself and then see what happens because like cooking you can do a very minimal intervention with ivf if needed and then you can keep going from there if needed you know that would be a way to think about it if you're concerned about any of the long-term repercussions and then there are women who have to really be concerned because there's history of cancers in the family, um, you know, and you may be uncomfortable taking synthetic estrogens, you know? So it, 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 I think again, it just comes back down to if you had known, cause this is all I hear from people after they encounter my information is, gee, I wish I had known this sooner, right? So that, that's my question to, ne- to you now is if you had known this sooner, what would you be doing differently today? And whatever your answer is, that's what you should start doing immediately because that's going to shift whatever other healthcare decisions that are in front of you for the yeah. better.
0: Yeah, that's so true. That's such a great question too. What would you do different, and then just start doing that. Just start doing um, as well as what action. would, you, yeah, what would you do different, and trying to pass along that message, right? I think first and foremost, it's like you look at you know synthetic birth control, like right off the bat, and go, okay, this is this is like a quick fix. If I just put a little bit of effort into understanding myself a little bit better, can I take control of that? And then, and, and we're know. so capable of it as women. Like, yeah. let's just
1: think about the collective, right? The collective mind uh, share and the collective energy output that goes into all the um, like things that women have tried. From, I mean. People spend time doing jade rolling and vaginal steaming and, you know, intense workout commitments. And women do not lack discipline and willpower when they're committed to having something, you know, to trying something. Mm-hmm. So just, just channel that same energy that you have been putting into the wrong solutions and put them into this, just what's needed for your actual hormonal pattern it's not overwhelming. It's not confusing. The book in the flow lays it out chart by chart, eat this at this time, do this workout at this time. It doesn't have to feel like this complicated thing. And you're more than capable of doing very complex. I mean, think of think of any of you who've done like a really intense cleanse, you know, and you're having like, a special juice in the morning, and then like certain things at 3pm. And like, you know, you're super capable of doing complicated things. This is way less complicated than that. This is literally Mm -hmm. going with your biological flow. And it's just channeling that energy into Mm -hmm. going downstream as opposed to paddling against
0: the current. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, so true. And there's so much too, that I'm thinking about, about mindset too. And like, you know, stress in your life and Mm, that level, huge. you know, uh, and, and how that plays into your, um, into your biology and how everything is working. And so we might think we feel okay, but like when we really take stock and we really go inward and do the work, like there's obviously the things that we can do from an eating perspective, from fitness, from, um, the energy of the sort of the flow of the cycle and what what call what is what is serving us best. If we don't look at the way we think and the way we look at ourselves and how we say yes to ourselves, because I feel like this whole thing is kind of looping around to really like that sort of sovereignty and that um, accountability uh, for yourself and really saying yes to yourself, mm. because that is. The most empowering thing that you can do, and the more that you honor yourself, the more you will reciprocate that and honor others. And so it's really like the form of self-care is really it's not selfish it's uh, it's completely serving for the self and others, I feel
1: well, back to your creative, you know that creation energy that you're talking about. But yes, I mean, I think that there's a real opportunity for women to not only come home to their bodies, but also to heal so many different things. Like you know we talked earlier about maybe uh, impossible standards. I like to think of it as like more of this pathology that we have around perfectionism, that we think that we're supposed to be perfect. I actually think that's just a misplaced uh, sort of language around what we think we're supposed to be is the same every day. Right. Because if you take all the inputs that are coming from various sources, which optimize the male hormonal pattern, which is the same every day, then somewhere in your subconscious mind, you have made a link between um, good equals same. And if you want to be good, then you're going to try to force yourself to be the same every day. And that creates a lot of psychological Mm -hmm. turmoil for yourself because you do not feel the same every day. And then you just instantaneously start to feel badly about yourself. So that's Mm. the first thing that will go away because now you don't have that conflict. There is no inner conflict. You are not trying to be the same. Good now equals dynamic, not same, right? Good equals dynamic. So you're going to shift, right? You're going to be
0: different every
1: day. And that's good.
0: Your kids, you second, love them. They're different. Like You can love yourself. Good, but yeah, different, right? Yeah. Just like kids, like yeah. different, right? don't have to be everything. the same. Exactly. And so we get rid of this perfectionist thing and
1: it frees up so much energy and we feel happier and more positive about how we relate to ourselves. But then the other thing is too, is like a measurable stress level reduction, right? Because If you are eating the right caloric intake at the right time of your cycle, your cortisol levels are lower, as opposed to what happens when you force yourself to have the same calorie level every day, you're going to jack up your cortisol levels, right? And that's stress. This is, so when I talk about stress, I, I like to actually re, like really get down to the hormone cortisol because it isn't this like mental thing, stress. It's a physiological response that we're having. If you do the same hit workout every day of the cycle, you're going to jack up your stress levels. If you modulate your workout intensity based on your cycle phases, your stress levels come down. So when your stress levels come down, your anxiety levels come down. And when those things come down, guess what Boot goes way up? Creativity and productivity, because we none of us have more time in the day. But if we learn how to optimize our biological rhythms, we can have much more energy throughout the day. And you know, Harvard Business Review talks all about that all the time about we as a corporate culture should not be focusing on time management but energy management. And I couldn't agree more, but men and women have to do that differently. And so if you want to be more productive, if you want to be more creative, then you've got to get out of the perfectionist trap by just understanding that you are not the same creature every 24 hours Mm -hmm. and drop that whole struggle and trying to be that just never going to happen. Let it go. It will after your menopausal. So you can have it then and you can have it when you're a kid. Um, And then. Um, you know, do the right things from a self-care point of view at the right phases of your cycle, measurably keep your cortisol levels where they should be and boost your productivity effortlessly, right? Without increasing your stress. Everybody wants to know how can I do more but not burn myself out? Well, the cycle syncing method will allow you to do that. And notice that it is not a diet. It's not a plan. It's a method. You apply this method in various ways and it's something that you will customize for your own individual self and there is no need to get it perfectly right not even even if you just did it 50% of the time you would yield huge improvements in supporting your biological rhythm right think about it this way if you get no sleep you feel horrible during the day right if you get 50% of the sleep you should be getting you feel okay you can you can do it and if you get of the sleep you should get, you feel pretty great, right? You're happy with that. Same thing goes with the cycle syncing method. You do not have to be a perfectionist with this either. And that's a relief because nothing in nature is perfect. You're not perfect. You don't have to do this perfectly. You just have to make the attempt to support yourself and meet your biological reality where it is in real time. And you will get huge dividends back. From your body, your hormonal balance, your mood, your creativity, your productivity, your sexual response. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that 67% of women are sexually unsatisfied. That really comes down to the fact that you don't even know what your sexual response is supposed to look like across the month, right? It's different. It's not supposed to be the same every day. So you shouldn't Mm -hmm. have that expectation. And when you drop that improper expectation, you can actually have a you know, you can biohack your orgasm. It turns out that's in chapter nine. (laughs) So, you know, it's all laid out for you. There should be no more mystery about how your body works and what you need to do to optimize it. Um, because I've put all the research into the book and, and it's just there for you waiting for you to, to unlock for yourself.
0: Yeah. It definitely does. I didn't want to take this time to have you articulate all the cycles and all the food and all the, actually, because it's in the book, like it's, it's, all in the book. <laughs> in the, it's in the book. If you're curious, which I was very curious, I just read it about as quick as I've read a book. Um, so is there anything, uh, so thank you. And I'm, I want, I encourage people, even guys like to, to kind of like, you know, have it in the house and check it out and, you know, you know, shit, you know, be interested. Uh, it's a form of love, connection. It's a form of connection. 100%. A hundred percent. Great way to boost your intimacy. <laughs> yeah, I care about the person. Is there uh, is there anything coming down the pipeline as far as um, you know research or uh, having more women be in those trials or trials that have been done with uh, with women to kind of give us better information? Um, I I totally wanted to ask about intermittent fasting and keto and fasted cardio and all kinds of things, but you know for another day is there anything coming down the pipeline uh, that is exciting? I hope so. uh,
1: But nothing that I'm aware of at the moment that specifically, you know, I'm, I'm here advocating for that inclusivity and for Mm -hmm. that specificity. Um, You know, I, I, I I think I made a call out at the end of the book for here's some research I'd love to see, (laughs) you know, so, you know, I think that, What's interesting now is that there is a little bit more awareness that women do need some special research being done on their reproductive years, um, how our immune response is different, how our metabolism is different. So I think that the research is going to start increasing, um, but we're, we're nowhere near where we should
0: be yeah. at all um, as far as hard data is concerned. Huh? we'll just have to do our own research. And, you know, on some level, we're all just a little different anyway. So in the meantime, uh, figure yourself out, pay attention, say yes to yourself, say yes to sovereignty from all things. Take your power, take your power
1: using the cycle syncing method because your your cyclical pattern, though it may vary, you know, your friend may have a 28 day cycle, you may have a 32 day cycle, uh, you may have different hormonal problems. the fact of matter is your cycle is supposed to function the same way across the board. We all are supposed to have these four specific phases. So start taking care of them. And that, that will, that will lead you down the right path for sure.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for um, sharing information that is brand new for some, for most women, which is kind of sad to say, but it's very exciting at the same time. I like to focus on the
1: exciting part. (laughs) And if you need resources and you're, you know, you're struggling with your period or your fertility or your perimenopause, you know, that's what flowliving.com is all about. Come, come be with us there. We're here to support you with our products and programs. Um, if you're excited about your infradian and circuitradian rhythms and you want to support that, you can come to the CycleSyncingMembership.com. If you want to just learn which phase you're in, you know, I built an app that is the only CycleSyncing method app called MyFlow, MyFlowTracker.com. Make sure it has a circle icon like the one on the cover of In the Flow. And, um, you know, you can find me on Instagram at flow living and at alisa.vd. So you can check me out there if you want some ongoing information.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening to the pretty intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.